Here it is now. Now I'm recording. Oh. Great to have you here. I want to just appreciate and <clears throat> thank each of you for what you're doing to build a great church. This year is one of the most challenging seasons, challenging periods that uh, I have experienced in ministry life. And uh, we just get the volume right on this. And, uh, but I know also, just talking to different people, how many have uh, faced in their own lives uh, tremendous challenges as well. And uh, in the midst of it, God stands with us, God walks with us, and we grow. And uh, I'm excited about things that God is doing uh, in my life, in Joy's life, and what God's doing in the life of leaders. And uh, we've seen some of the most dramatic changes taking place in the church that we've experienced in our whole history as a church. And uh, yet, uh, in every one of them as we look, we can really see the hand of God in, in bringing things together in such an amazing way. And uh, I am very, very encouraged by that. But uh, transitions of any kind are challenging. I want to just share something from Scripture so we can get a biblical context for changes when they take place. I want to share with you just some simple things. The Bible, once you start to look for it, abounds in stories of change and transitions in the church. And uh, it's just from one end of the Bible to the other. I've never seen so many as I've seen now. And uh, each one of them uh, brings out different aspects, and particularly the challenges when God is moving us in from one season to another. In, uh, in, um, in every type of change that you find, there's something you can learn, there's always battles to fight, and there's potential hazards on the way. And uh, that's why I love it when we get into the Word of God, we can begin to draw from God's uh, wisdom in the lives of other people to help us as we journey through changes ourselves. So as we look, God is shifting the church from pastoral, which is primarily focused towards needs, needs being met in nature, into raising sons, raising people committed to ministry expression, created people uh, committed to actually advance the kingdom. And uh, this is a far more major shift in church than people realize. You can have a lot of busyness and a lot of activity, but very little impact as far as the kingdom is in terms of advancing anything, changing anything. And so in Daniel 2, and verse 21, it says that God changes the times and the seasons. In other words, he initiates changes. And I'd love to say that uh, I initiated lots of change. Unfortunately, it's not quite like that. Uh, God has spoken in a whole number of ways prophetically to us to start to initiate changes which we respond to and move with. And uh, I wish I could say that it was easy to process it, but it isn't. It's actually quite, you go through a whole number of experiences. So I want to just share with you from one example in the Bible of transition of some things that we can learn how to walk as a church together through changes God's making. I can't think of any church I know which has uh, had a pastor go, one of the key pastors go to a foreign nation, uh, then another pastor going to another foreign nation, another pastor going up into promotion area into a large church. It just doesn't happen. So whenever anyone hears what's happening, they're amazed. And uh, so I thought it's helpful just to have a look at the whole issue of uh, when a church is going through change. And we go through changes in our lives, changes in season. One of the great examples of handling change well is Graham and Jesse. If you ever talk with them, and I love them to share their testimony sometime, they've gone through three seasons of change. One where they were in a career, one where they went to China, and then coming back from China and into street evangelism. And they've actually successfully bridged each one very, very well. Very wonderful to hear that. And uh, 
so I, I love it when we see when, when, when in life people go through transitions and handle them well and come into a better place afterwards. Just talking with Graham how he's loving being able to connect with people on the street, see them saved, see them get touched by God and uh, they're out you know, two, three nights a week witnessing to people and uh, yeah, what a change from where he was. He running the kids ministry here years ago. So huge transitions and yet great to see a couple that have gone through one season in their life in the workplace and in the church then another season in the mission field and another season out in the field here now. And that's a great thing to see things like that. And, and so in our individual lives we have transitions. Uh, you know, when you're a young person, a young couple, married, family, uh, teenagers, and then no children, then grandchildren, all of their transitions. But particularly in the Bible there are many transitions and some are good, some are not so good. I want to take one that's really good and just learn what God told them in the middle of it so we can learn some simple things. There are other examples in the Bible of transitions that were really uh, a disaster and people made terrible choices in the middle of the transition and it cost them their life and their destiny. And I believe always that if we will keep tuned into the Holy Ghost we'll make good choices as we go through changes. And it's really quite vital to do that. So let me just share with you just a little bit about it because God's always progressive. It's found in Joshua chapter 1. I won't read it all because you know the passage, but I want to just pick up and highlight just a few things as I just share some of the key principles. First thing is, you find as God announces change. He starts off with a statement like this, in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. And I want a statement for God to make. You think of all the things he could say, he'd say something a bit happier than that. They've just had 30 days of funeral service and crying and weeping and mourning and, and uh, they've just, uh, you know, Moses has disappeared and they're grieving and lamenting and everyone's been crying. And then, the, then it says God speaks to Joshua and says an interesting statement, Moses, my servant, is dead. So whenever there is a change, God announces it. He always speaks about the change. So in other words, he's saying a season of your life as a body of people has come to an end. A new season is beginning and you need to make the adjustments in the new season. And so then he outlines what the adjustments are. So it makes it very clear that a season, you understand that under Moses they've been under a, a season under Moses, it was a distinct season last for 40 years, now they're about to enter into a totally different phase. And with the different phase came a change in leadership style. So the first thing is God announces the change and he says this, Moses, my servant is dead. Okay, so so it, he stated, he's stating something like this, that Moses was a servant to my purpose at that time and what I wanted done in that season was happen and it went well. Now it's a new season, it requires a change. And so when there's a change like that, God tells the people, that served my purpose then, it doesn't serve my purpose now. One of the temptations in church is we hold on to styles, to programs, to ways of doing things, even ministry styles, ministry philosophies, flows of doing things that were great in their season, but then when the season comes to an end, God says, that was my servant for that season. Now there's a new season, you've got to learn to operate differently. And it's not easy if you've walked in a season uh, for a long time that's been fruitful, then to shift and change and do it different. Uh, and our young people coming into the church now will come into everything God's doing now people have been around and as Christians for a while will find the change uh, is somewhat daunting because you've got to change your thinking and a whole number of ways of doing things. So as God moves the church outward towards the community and to advance the kingdom, that will mean changes. So what we did and loved doing, as we begin to change it, we've got to say, hey, Moses, my servant is dead. 
it served its purpose for a season, but now it's not going to carry us through to the next season. It's quite quite challenging when we have that. So uh, it functioned to bring Moses functioned to bring the people out of Egypt and bring them through the wilderness. It was a very strong pastoral anointing, but now they needed a different kind of anointing, a different kind of leadership style, and a whole different flow. And so God says very clearly. Don't go back to the old. The old is finished. That way is finished. So God always makes it clear. And uh, the second thing is that God makes clear what he requires. So if you read in the Word, you always find when there's a change in season, God will make it clear what he requires us to do. So let me give you just four or five things that God requires of us in transition time. Here's the first one. Moses, my servant, is dead. So the first thing is he requires that we let go soulish attachments to things we like. Now that could be an attachment to a person who's now shifting and they've served and run a season in the church and had success and prospered and grown and functioned and now as they make a transition into something new then the relationships that they have formed need to change. So Doug and Kalinda were here for many years but as they left there had to be a change in all the relationships around them. And now we've got uh, Stephen Alley will leave to go to Auckland. There'll be a similar kind of thing, a whole uh, group of relationships around them that will need to go through change. And we need to, and I'll show you this, the very simple way that we deal with this uh, in a moment. But the first thing is to realize that we can be attached and dependent. And so when a change takes place, suddenly if you're dependent on that person, your world will fall apart. You'll go through emotions and turmoil and God wants you to learn how to just rest and let go and rest. Just let go. We've got to realize when something's come to a change, it's time to let go, but then we have to do something about it. I'll give you some very practical things to do just in a, in a few minutes. So transition can be very painful uh, because sometimes it's a change in relationship. Uh, uh, it doesn't mean someone leaves, it just means our relationship with that person changes now because we've made it, God's moving us and he's shifting us. And, and when your relationship with someone changes, what you'll find is you feel distant from them and you can't do anything about it. And it's horrible. It's, everyone knows something's changed, you can't quite tell them what you changed. You just move and now the relationship isn't the same anymore. And uh, it could be so God just begins to promote you and upgrade you or shift you so that you've changed, everyone around you's now they want you to go back to where you were and you can't, you, you've got to keep going forward. So some relationships God just uh, causes them to change and they never come back together the same way, others change but they, they come back a little differently. So let go, let go attachments and uh, letting go attachments. Now that's easy to say but it isn't actually so easy to do and uh, when you love people it's really, there's a part which is in our soul. You know, I love Stephen Alley, I love Doug and Kalinda and I love Dave and Kate, and as they make changes, love Terry, you know, and as they, as they all make their changes, there's, there's a wrenching in the soul that you feel, and there's no amount of positivity gets over that. The bottom line is something's changed, and now what you had isn't there the way it was. And you have to just accept it's time to let go. It's like kids leaving home. I remember when that first one left home, we all cried all the way to Wellington. And then cries, you got on the plane, cried all the way back. Uh, but then we had to let go. We just had to let go. And so uh, emotions are normal. Attachments are part of being bonded and in connection. And so when people shift, there is a change and you feel it. So verse one. Second thing is God requires us to change our thinking. In the wilderness, God provided everything. God protected them. God fought all their fights for them. 
He did everything for them. It was a welfare mentality. They just journeyed and kept following. And God provided everything. When it came to the uh, promised land, now it was a different mentality. You had to actually stand up and believe God. You had to fight. You had to sow and plant. You had to plant and then reap. You had to stand up and you had to believe God. And you had to get breakthroughs. It was a different season. It was a change. Now, if we're going to move into uh, engaging community and seeing miracles happen, you've got to engage. There's no way that's easy. There's got a stress, there's a pressure, there's spiritual resistance comes, you get knocked back, so you have to fight, you work and believe God. Anyone who's been out doing evangelism would know just the challenges of that. And uh, there's, you face resistance, you've got to have strength in you to overcome it. So it requires a change in mindset. So God spoke to them very clearly, that's what he says. He'd said, Moses, my servant, said, and they said, every place the soul of your foot will tread on, I'll give to you. So God requires then that we just change. He said, I'll give it to you, but now you've got to change your limiting beliefs. You've got to believe that things can happen. So it's a faith dimension. We must believe that things will happen. And so the tendency is to look at what the change is rather than believe for what God wants to bring into being. Now, my observation over many years is the moment someone leaves, uh, I can remember, and no matter how dependent, no matter how great the ministry is, you'll find just behind in the background there are others waiting to come up and step in and take their place. And before you know it, you say, man, we can't do without them. Yeah, sure. I've seen it over and over and over. And, uh, and, and then you wonder how you can ever do without these new ones. Yeah. You know? I mean, when Graham and Jess left, we wondered how we'd do without them. And then the next one's going to then Dave and Tracy come, and then Dave and Tracy come, and Steve and Ellie stand up. We're thinking, you know, each time you think the same thing. How can we do without? But actually, God moves people forward and grows them and, and, and transitions them. So we have to change the way we think. And uh, I wonder what changes you've got to change and how you think. And one of the things is God wants us to flow in teams. We have to be teams. Being an independent operator and just going it alone isn't going to work in this next season. We do have to flow as teams, develop a team culture, develop a flow together. It's going to take some effort to do that. For some, you like to just, well, I like it my way. Well, that's actually not going to work. It's an old mindset that won't work in the future. It just won't. And so you'll find as we begin to, uh, over this next six months to 12 months, as, as God begins to make a number of things clear, you'll find you'll have to change. Every one of us will feel the necessity to change mindsets. And no man likes the new. The old is better. I like doing what I wanted to do. No, 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 no. To go forward, we have to operate differently. And so you find the issue of discipleship and shaping of people, uh, the development of people becomes a much greater priority in a church that's apostolic. And so when you disciple, you've got to speak into their life. But if you've never let anyone speak into your life and you react when anyone does, you're stuck in the wilderness. And there'll be heaps of people will start to take your place. Because you, and this is, I don't want to die in the wilderness, I want to move forward with God. So God will always give grace for change. All we're going to do is just be humble. And pride and fear are the only two things that stop you going forward. So we just want to make the change. So it also requires, God, that we embrace new positioning of ourselves and of other people. You notice there that God lays out the promised land, he lays out the boundaries of it, he, he, and then he sets Moses, uh, Joshua. Now, if you were under Moses for 40 years, and he did all the miracles part of the sea, and he's just nothing but a legend, how on earth are you going to handle Joshua, just a young upstart, 40 years old, you know? How are you going to handle that? And here we are, right at the key point, we're about to get the land after all these years, and Moses, the legend, is gone. Can you, can you understand? The, the, the feeling that people must have had, the uncertainty they must have had, as they have but God required that they embrace the new. He required that they embrace the new positioning in leadership, 
of Joshua. Uh, he required that they, they stand and support Joshua in his new leadership role. Just as new leaders come to different roles, we need to stand behind them and support them. Over the next couple of months, as we begin to identify and put people into roles, we'll call the church to stand behind them, support them as they step up and fill the ranks and begin to move forward with the church for the next season. Very exciting. But God requires that we stand together and stand behind new roles. And if God's put you in a new role, then embrace what it takes. Embrace the call. Embrace the new thing because God will give you grace with it. The next thing that God requires is that we embrace a spirit of courage. That's what he says in verse 6, 7 and 8. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, be strong and of good courage. Verse 9, have I commanded you? How many times have I got to say this? Be strong and of good courage. Now, you notice that three times God said this to, to Joshua. I wonder why now God's saying to this guy three times, have good courage or have strength. It's very simply this, that when you go through a process of change and transition, you are affected emotionally by it. And so it requires inner strength and the courage to face your feelings and your fears and your inadequacies and to press on forward anyway. And that's where courage is needed. Courage doesn't mean you don't feel stuff. Courage means that in spite of feeling it, you determine, I'm going to go forward anyway. And so he's exhorted to have courage, exhorted to be courageous. Then everything inside wants to shrink, withdraw, quit, flee, or find some hole. No, stand up and have courage. And that courage is found by strengthening yourself in the Lord. It's drawing, it's an inner reserve that comes. Remember, Joshua's telling there. the first thing he's going to face is an impossible task, a city that's so high and so walled, how on earth are you going to do that? And before you can get to there, he's got to cross a river you can't cross. You understand he needed courage? It looked impossible. It was. So he had to have courage. God's there. God will help. Any idea? And so as we face changes, it requires, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it feels strange uh, because we haven't been there before. And maybe God will put you in something or you're doing something you haven't done before and it feels strange. God said to them, you haven't been this way before. Keep your eyes on the ark. Keep your eyes on the Lord in the midst of change when it looks and feels a little uncomfortable. And that's a great thing for us to do at any time, isn't it? The last thing that he requires is that we place value on his word. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night to do everything that's in it. In other words, he's saying, get a hold of what God says. God says what he says in his word. Meditate on it and then determine you'll do what God says to do. And that requires a bit of courage. Okay, courage to do things God's called us to do. So at every level in the church, it'll, the, the, the change will begin to start to take, uh, and to take effect. And uh, I just think it's exciting, but I encourage you to take note how God directed them how to handle it, to let go, okay? to embrace the new things, to have courage on the inside, to change the way of thinking, and then to hold on to the word of God and walk in faith. To hold the word of God means you've got to speak what God's speaking. You don't go speaking speculatively, you know, well, what about this, what about this? That's unbelief talking. What about it? What about change? Or what about it? No, no, we need to actually stand, hey, God is in control of his church. And one of the things we stood, uh, as uh, one of the things that apostolic and prophetic government seeks to do is to deal with control, the spirit of control, and of course, we're dealing with it at one level, it frees everything up to change. But then you have to deal with that at a personal level. So, I know I'm speaking in somewhat general terms, but give me a few simple things that we could do. Uh, number one, celebrate the successes. 
We're going to have a couple of celebrations as we go through the year and we want to celebrate the successes. So we want to celebrate Stephen Alley's success in coming from being two young people in the church through to growing up, coming to get married, having children and then getting into ministry, building the best thing that's been seen in the Bay ever. And good to celebrate. Then promote it up into a major church and all. We want to celebrate our success. Celebrate what has been done. So always rejoice and celebrate what has been done. So we look back and say, well, thank you, God, and celebrate what's been done. Then the next thing we do is welcome and celebrate the new. And, uh, and you say, welcome and celebrate. So there'll be people and roles and functions. There'll be some changes in the culture and the church. There'll be some changes take place in how we do some things. And uh, just celebrate the change. It's good. It's good. It's great to have change. And the people that go into those places, we need to be behind them. You'll find an interesting thing. So here's the third thing. Learn to speak. Train yourself to just speak positively about what God is doing. I don't know any church sent a couple up to China and got them buried there in the underground church and all kinds of stuff there. We've got another young man, Terry, going up there shortly. And uh, he'll be doing some work up there too. And Terry came in off the streets covered in tattoos and terrified and at the back of the church, got himself connected in and from the day one committed to build. He got in and Cecilia worked with him and there was input to him. He got in the cell. He's been to almost every kind of thing I could ever imagine and now here he is suddenly and he's grown up and God's sending him out into mission field to do something extraordinary for God. Wasn't that amazing? You know, isn't that amazing? It happens. So we celebrate all of these things. Eh? So speak positively over what God is doing. Speak positively about what God is doing, about people moving out, about the people moving in. Do not say anything negative about anyone making a shift. Just speak positively. We have much to be thankful for. Each of the people that is making a shift and a transition is taking somewhere else, we are indebted to them for their lives being sown. We need to thank God for them and speak positively about them and about the change they're making. It is great and it's good and God is in it. And everyone that I've talked to Man, God is so in the changes that you just could not have worked it out like it's been worked out. Uh, secondly, we speak positive to the people coming in. You might think, well, how come they put that guy in there? How about this? You know, well, I would have done this. Well, probably you would have too, but we did it. So well, now we've done it. Let's just stand behind it and just speak positively and believe that God can, uh, can uh, help us, that he'll work with us. And you know something, when everyone is speaking the same thing, you build a synergy and atmosphere and energy and things start to move forward. We have to learn to speak positively about what God is doing about changes. Even in the, and it's harder to do when it's not all clear. But as it gets clearer, then you say, oh, it was, it was great, that was easy. But, you know, when it's not clear, that's the time to speak really positively. And uh, speak positively about the church that's in change. It's fantastic. So uh, I'd like you also, as a practical step, anyone who has testimonies of God working in the church, in your life, please bring them to uh, the, the cell group leaders or the group leaders who we have a chance to bring it in front of the church. People hear good things God is doing. God does all kinds of stuff, and I don't get to hear about them. I want to hear more about what God is doing. And uh, the, last, uh, the last one I want to share, a very practical thing, is simply this, just we've got a lot of new people coming into the church and many of them are incredibly needy, uh, incredibly needy. And uh, so this is what I want to do, embrace new people coming in. They need to be loved, welcomed, and uh, many of them are in desperate need of help, support. Some of it's quite practical. Look for how you can help new people coming in. There's a real surge of different people coming in, but they're in bondage, many of them. They're very broken. A lot of them are not coming from good backgrounds. They're coming from uh, all kinds of situations. 
Uh, we've had, um, you know, more recently in the church, people involved in homosexuality, people involved in prostitution, uh, drugs, a whole range of people coming in. You don't notice when you see new people around, and we're not identifying who different ones are, but there is a, there's a, a wave of new people starting to come in that desperately need help. So we're going to have to upgrade everything we do to handle it in terms of the processes in the church. But what you can do is just embrace them, and if you can see a need, meet the need. Don't meet every need, you can't, but just meet some needs and make people feel very, very welcome. Especially if it's just a simple practical need, it may just be a thing like transport, a welcome of someone to come in, uh, take them home for lunch, a very simple thing like that. So those are some simple things we can do. Celebrate successes of everyone. We come to celebrate different ones and what they've done. Get in there and be part of the celebration. Uh, stand behind the new ones coming in and celebrate them. Uh, speak positively of the changes God is making. It's one mind, one heart. God is with us. God is helping us. God is journeying us through. And uh, we need to hear that. The, the people uh, stood together and they said, and they said to, Mo, uh, to Joshua, be strong and good courage. We're with you. They stood in one mind, one heart. And uh, that was a great thing. So embrace the new people coming in. And uh, these are, that'll be very exciting. Of the changes, we haven't got them all worked out. Let me just give you a few and then I'll finish up. Uh, Tim Cashmore is going to be stepping up, taking leadership over the, um, uh, some of the service teams. Jill has been, uh, sorry, Dodd has been doing it before. We want her to come up to another level so she can lead the leaders and do more time to think and plan how to bring people forth. And Brian and Tony Nielsen Vault, who have been with us for years, they went away, come back, and they're going to be looking after the new Christians area. Uh, Shane, of course, is going to be picking up working in the youth area. Uh, we have um, uh, changes taking place on the worship team, which we'll announce uh, in due course. Uh, well, when we finally worked out how the whole kids' church will be uh, overseen, we'll let you know on that one. It's all work in progress. Uh, I'm working to approach some people about eldership roles. Uh, so we expect within uh, the space of a couple of months just to have all of those clear and then start to put them in. So at the end of August, I want to have a, a service where we pray people into new roles and, uh, and set people in place. It'll be a great day to pray and anoint people, set them into the new place. I got uh, going out. We've got Terry Blair going to uh, China. We're praying for him next uh, Sunday. Going up to China, isn't that fantastic? Man, that's going to be something. And uh, the the group did a great send off for him the other night. Fantastic. So they did a brilliant job with their team. Um, Susan Seeger. Some of you don't know her so well. She's been with us a while. <coughs> She's going to go up to Uganda. And uh, Leon's going to go up or take her up there to get her set in. We're supporting her for a year in Uganda, or maybe less than a year, at least at this point it's a year, to help the whole orphan program come to a new level. Essentially what's happened is John has gained favour after a year of very great difficulties. He's gained great favour and a lot of churches have opened the door to him. And uh, so in Australia he's now got many, many people wanting to, to look after orphans. And uh, it's, it's crucial right now at this time his whole orphan program is strengthened. And we've had some weaknesses and difficulties with it, which uh, some here, some there. We're addressing that by putting someone over it here and uh, helping him by sending someone at the other end to help. So what she will do is revise all of the program of looking after the orphans, how it operates, how the reporting systems go, set in a new program to do that, train all the locals, and then help them with local skills with, uh, uh, to, to do some very skills that they can sell products through trade aid and help with the microfinance to get that in place. So I want to get it in order. So she, she's got the, she's an Aussie, she's robust, she's capable, she's, man, I don't know anyone, there's, you know, I look, I think, I don't know anyone I could send to do that job with her. She really has got it. 
and uh, just like Terry going up where he's going, I don't know who I could send up there to do that. And uh, as for Pakistan, I don't know who I'd send there, you know. <laughs> People don't mind a visit, but living there is something else. You'd have to be a certain kind of person, wouldn't you? Uh, so, um, and then Dave and Kate will be going to Pakistan uh, later on in the year. He's just up there now, meeting with the President, I think, this Sunday, and uh, then we'll be seeing what happens when they get back. So great changes in place. Uh, great privilege that we can send people to the harvest field, but our biggest harvest field to tap is still here among us. And that's what we all need to be doing is to be praying. That's why tonight's theme is starting to get the heart of God for the harvest field and begin to pray and look to God for your opportunities to do what you can to gather, reach people, bring them in. And when they are in, if someone else brought them in, once they're in that door, this should be the most loving, caring place in the world. So make it your job to care for someone. Find someone, meet them and make them welcome. Amen? God bless. Father in heaven, we just thank you for the great privilege of sending people to the, to the nations of the earth and even to our own nation. We thank you for the doors opening in China for Doug and Kalinda. May they continue to open among the young girls in prostitution to be caught, brought out of that into the underground church. We pray, Lord, for Terry as he goes up, Lord, for a mighty move of your spirit as he goes to, to help him uh, and to, to bring enlargement of your kingdom. We pray, Lord, as uh, Stephen Alley go north and go into a great church, we pray, Lord, that their ministry influence will increase to thousands. They'll have an influence right through our nation. Lord, the creativity in their life will you be used by you to just open up doorway for the training of, of many, many people into the whole area of kids' ministry. Father, we just praise David, take up to Pakistan. You'll keep them, protect them. The Lord, provide for them a place to stay and the various things they need to live in such a difficult place. Lord, live a great open door to the television right through there to, to millions of people. We pray, Lord, for each person going forth, Susan, as she goes out, Lord, you go with her. And Father, we stand here in our city, in our area, believing you'll give us souls and you'll increase our influence and you'll add to us one step after another. Father, thank you for great leaders, great people, great church, a great place to be. And Lord, for your hand upon us for good in these days that are ahead. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give a lot of claps, shall we?